Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson, and welcome to our women's meeting. We have a group of women here who are endeavoring to walk in the power of God. And you know what? We're getting some results. And I'd like you to join us. Join your faith with ours and let God minister to you. Come expecting God to do something for you, to minister to your heart, to, to fulfill a need. All right? And also, I want to say hello. In Harare, Zimbabwe, the women are having a conference today. And they're meeting the same time we are. So I want to say hello to them. And I want to pray for all of us, the women here and in Harare. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you that you made woman and you called her good. Father, I thank you. You have a plan for all of us. And that plan is found in the gospel. Father, open our ears that we can hear. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto you, unto you, Father. And I thank you for grace, grace on this meeting. I thank you for grace, grace. I love it, Father, where sin abounds. Grace does much more abound. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want you to turn, you, turn to John 10, 35. Today's going to be a little, I don't know what we would call a review, but we need to hear this again and again and again. All right, John 10, 35. If he called them God, Jesus speaking, because it's in red, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot, the scripture cannot be broken. Do you have that in your heart yet? The scripture cannot, cannot be broken. The world's going to pass away. Everything you see will at one time disappear. Your land, your homes, what you grew up with, all your history will at one day go up in a big flame of fire. It'll disappear. But the word of God will always be here. And that's what we can put our trust in. We can trust and we can rely on the word of God. Now, with that, I want you to go with me to uh, Romans 6. I want us to see it with our eyes. I want to see it with our eyes. The Word of God cannot be broken. The Word of God has been here since the world was created. In fact, it was here before the world was created. And on top of that, the Word of God is the one that created it. Everything was created by Jesus. Everything you see and everything you can't see was created by Jesus. God, through Jesus, created everything. You know what? That's comforting. Did you know that Jesus created the devil? He created Lucifer. He had a purpose for him. Do you know he created everything you see? He created your enemy. He created money. He created Evil, thank you very much. He created spiders. Thank you, Jesus. He created everything, and he also created everything you cannot see. He created the principalities and the powers and the mights and the dominions. And he created angels that ride in a chariot of fire. How cool is that? How cool is that? He created them. Now, the word of God cannot be broken. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Do you know God cannot change that? God cannot change that. He can't. It's the word of God. God does not change. The word of God cannot change change. He can't change it. He can put it off. He can forbear. 
that God cannot change his word. And the word is, the wages of sin is death. You sin, you're going to die. Somebody is going to die. There's going to have to be blood. You got that? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I want to show you our God. I want to show you the God that doesn't change. I want to show you some things about him. I think we've gone over this before, but we need to look at it again. We need to get that revelation of the Father and Jesus in us. And I tell you what, if you think you can hear the gospel once and that's enough, you're crazy. You're crazy. You know, I've had more than one person, I've had a dozen people say, Kathy, I listen to your tapes over and over, and every time I listen, there's something new. You know why? Because it's not me. It's the Spirit of God using a little body. It's the, the what is it? The, the treasure is in an earthen vessel. You know what? That works for me too. It works for me too. The, the, the messages I have are not just for you. They're for me too. And they minister to me. Now, I want us to go to 2 Samuel 21. I want to show you something about the nature of God. It says, there was a famine in the days of David, three years, year after year. Three years, his, his country, while he was king, had famine. And David inquired of the Lord. He sought him. He asked him, why are we having this famine? This ought to teach you something about things that happen in the world, things that happen in the United States. You know, we had a dust bowl. I don't know if you ever learned about it, but back in the time of the, um, the Depression, not only was our economy being hit, but we had the Dust Bowl. Look it up sometime. Bad time. Bad time for a lot of people. All right, and there was a famine in the days of David three years, year after year, and David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered and said, it is for Saul. This famine is because of something Saul did. Interesting. Famine was because of something Saul did. And it says, for his bloody house, because he slew the Gibeonites. And the king called the Gibeonites, David, called on the Gibeonites and said, now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but the remnant of the Amorites, and the children of Israel had sworn unto them that they wouldn't hurt him, and Saul sought to slay them in his zeal to the children of Israel and Judah. He thought he'd do God a favor. Wherefore, David said unto the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And wherewith shall I make the atonement? We got to make God happy. We got to appease him. God here is angry with them for a sin that Saul did, and they're in a famine. If you think about three years of famine, you think about a lot of dead people dying of starvation. Three years. Not just one year's crop, three years' crop. And David said unto the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And wherewith shall I make the atonement that, I may, that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said, We will have no silver or gold of Saul, nor of his house. Neither for us shall thou kill any man in Israel. And he said, What say you then? And I will do for you what you tell me. I've got to appease God because of a sin. A sin. And they answered the king, the man that consumed us and devised against us that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the coasts of Israel, let seven men of his sons be delivered unto us and we will hang them up under the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord did choose. And the king said, I'll do it. I'll do it. Do you see what God required here of the sin of Saul? He required death. The wages of sin is death. And David was going to have to kill some to get rid of the famine. If he didn't, they'd all died. They'd all died. You go a famine very much longer and you got a lot of death. You got a lot of death. You know what happens? They start eating each other. You don't know how blessed we are in this country. But David said, I'll do it. And he went 
And he got seven of Saul's sons. And you know where uh, the grandsons came from? David's wife, Michael. She had five boys of another man when she left David. And Saul took her back and gave her to another man. She had five boys. Michael, Saul's daughter. And David, in his love for God, took his wife's other boys and hung them up to die. God is God. God is God. And the wages of sin is death. You don't want to mess with God. He is not that weak thing. You know, when we think of, we think of Grandma loving us so much that she'd do anything for us, and she would let you just use her and abuse her, that is not God. He is not mocked. He is not mocked. You get what you paid for. All right? Now, let's go to verse 14. And this is after he, he hung up seven bodies of Saul's. Saul's already dead. These are his descendants. He said, in the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, buried there in the country of Benjamin and Zelah in a sepulcher of Kish's father. And they performed all that the king commanded. They hung the seven. They took them down. They took those bones. They took the bones of Saul. They took the bones of his son. And they buried them in the, in, what is it? Uh, they buried them in the sepulcher of Kish's father. And they performed all that the king commanded. And look, after they were dead, after they were buried and they were all put together in the sepulcher, it says, it is written, and after that, God was entreated for the land. And they got rain. They got rain. Thank God they got rain. Now turn with me to 2 Samuel 24. The wages of sin is death. Sin requires somebody, something died. If we are going to get it off of you, something's got to die. Now, uh, chapter 24 of 2 Samuel. And again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Notice, in this chapter, the anger of the Lord is kindled against Israel. Why? Because they're not obeying him. They're not serving him. David the king is, but the people aren't. So look what God does. The people aren't serving God. God's anger is kindled against the people. So he causes David to do something. David's obeying God. But look at this. This is quite remarkable. It says, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord moved David against them. Against the people of Israel. To say, go number Israel and Judah. Go take a census. See how many people we got. And if you look in the law, that is a no-no. David did it anyway. And you will find that Joab, this captain of the host, said, uh, David said unto Joab, the captain of the host, which was with him, go now through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, and number ye the people, that I may know the number of the people. And Joab, knowing this was a no-no, said unto the king, Now the Lord thy God add unto the people, how many soever they be, a hundredfold, and that the eyes of my Lord the king may see it. But why does my Lord the king delight in this thing? David did it anyway. You will find the same account in uh, Chronicles. And there it says the devil moved on David. Well, guess what? The devil can't do a thing unless God lets him. God was going to judge a nation through David and he caused David to number the people that is sin God was after the people of Israel to judge them to judge them so he used a leader you got that so he used a leader you wonder why through history we get some wicked leaders because we have wicked people. We have wicked people. Wicked people get wicked leaders. God have mercy on America. 
Now, I want us to go down to, um, uh, let's go to verse 10. So Joab goes all over and he numbers everybody and he says there's 800,000 of Israel that can fight and there is 500,000 of Judah that can fight. And then David's heart smote him in verse 10. And he that numbered the people and David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly and that I have done. Now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant for I have done very foolishly. Does God take it away? No, the wages of sin is death. He may forbear. God may forbear, but the wages of sin is death. Something's got to die. There's got to be blood. So here, God tells David. He says, For when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Gad, David's seer, seer's a prophet, saying, Go and say unto David, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them that I may do unto thee. So Gad came to David and told him and said unto him, Shall you have seven years of famine come unto thee in the land? Seven years, he just went through three. Seven years of famine in the land. Or thou flee three months before thine enemies while they pursue thee. Or that there be three days pestilence in the land. Now advise, I see what answer I shall return to him that sent me. So he gives David three options. Why? The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, and God has to be appeased. He has to be appeased for the sin. And David said to Gad, I'm in a great strait. Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. And let me not fall into the hand of man. David there makes a really good statement to look at. He said, if I've got to choose between falling into the hands of God and falling into the hands of man, I'll fall into the hands of God. He's got a lot more mercy than man does. He's got a lot more mercy than man does. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning, even to the time appointed. And there died of the people from Dan, even to Bathsheba. 70,000 men are dead in one day. Dead. Why? An angel. An angel. All right? And it says, uh, and when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, an angel of the Lord with a sword in his hand stretched out upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord repented him of the evil. Thank you, Jesus. And said unto the angel that destroyed the people, It's enough, stay thy hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arunah of the Jebusite. And David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel. Notice, David sees the angel. And he sees the angel has the sword stretched out. And he said, Lo, I have sinned, and I've done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let my hand, I pray thee, be against me and against my father's house. And Gad came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. And David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. And he goes to the site. And he, and he says, Look, I've got a, I've got a, well, let's go ahead and read it. It says, And, and Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Aruna went out and bowed himself before the king on his face upon the ground. And Aruna said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. See, David knew how to stop it. David knew how to stop it. How do you stop it? You appease God. You appease God. What does God require? What does God require? And it says, And Aruna said to the king, Let my lord the king take, and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for burnt sacrifice, threshing instruments, and other instruments of the oxen for wood. All these things did Aruna as the king given to the king. And Aruna said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. And the king said unto Aruna, Nay, no, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which does not cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar. Now you still got the angel hanging out with a sword. 
In the other, in um, Chronicles, it tells you that. It says, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated, entreated. He was appeased for the land and the plague was stayed. The wages of sin is death. God can't change that. You have a loving God, but he can't change his word. The wages of sin is death. Somebody's got to die. John 3, 16, a verse that we, you know, from our youth, we've heard. For, uh, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. We've heard that a million times, but we don't realize what it cost. What it cost. God had to be appeased. He had to be appeased concerning all of humanity. All of humanity, he had to be appeased. So he sent his only begotten son. Jesus didn't come just to give a good message. He didn't come to just say, God loves you. He didn't come just to heal the sick and to raise the dead and cast out devils. He came to be that appeasement. He came, he left heaven to be an appeased meant God had to be appeased and God loved us so much we couldn't appease him he'd have had to kill us all but instead he had one that could do it his own son he sent his own son for God so loved you he sent his own son to appease the Father. Turn with me to Romans 3. Romans 3.23. It says, For all have sinned. All have sinned. All have sinned. All have sinned. You self-righteous little woman, you. We all sinned. We've all sinned. You know what I love about God? There's no respecter of persons. He knows we all screwed up. He knows we all screwed up. There in one righteous, not one. So what did he do? What did he do? All right, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely. By his grace, by his grace, by his grace, we didn't ask for it. We didn't ask for Jesus. We didn't deserve Jesus. We didn't deserve Jesus. We didn't even want Jesus is how bad we were. Are. We didn't even want him. But he came anyway. Don't ever forget. He came anyway. He came anyway. When you have to look at yourself. And you are struggling with your own heart. Don't ever forget. He came anyway. I love somebody posted on Facebook one day. They said God had already taken in the fact of your stupidity before he called you. Thank you, Jesus. He already knew how stupid I could be. He already knew how stubborn I could be. He already knew how wicked I could be and was. And he sent him anyway. He sent him anyway. He sent him anyway. And what was Jesus here for? He was going to be that appeasement. Let's go on. It says, being justified freely by his grace, what I didn't deserve. Through the redemption, through the ransom that was in Christ Jesus, verse 25, whom God has set forth, preordained, God knew what he was going to do before this earth was even created. So did Jesus. 
They both knew before they even created the universe and the earth and the sun and the moon, they already knew Jesus was coming to the cross. Guess who created Golgotha? Guess who created it? Guess who created the tomb? Guess who created hell? He already knew. He already knew what we were going to do. And he created us anyway. Why? Because Jesus knew he was going to be the appeasement. Not only for us, but even for the ones you will see God held off all the sins, all the sins of the law until Jesus. He held off the payment until Jesus. All right, it says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. You know what a propitiation is? That was a big word for a nine-year-old when I first read this. Propitiation? I can't even say it. Propitiation, what is that? It's an appeasement. It's an appeasement. Jesus was the appeasement. You know, Jesus was the appeasement. But I want us to remember what that appeasement cost. Jesus was the appeasement. Go with me to Isaiah 53, 52. Behold my servant, verse 16, or 13, shall deal prudently. He should be exalted and extolled and be very high. Remember in Hebrews 10, it says, Jesus is saying, sacrifice an offering thou wouldest not, a body. You prepared me a body. Jesus didn't, Jesus was a God. Jesus was a God. He left all his godly abilities in heaven and he came down into a body. Into a body. Not a godly body, a body. And like I said, that body started as one cell at, 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 um, when it was created. One cell. You had the creator of the universe in one cell cell in a body and that cell grew and it became a baby and inside that baby was the spirit of Jesus the spirit of Jesus no power why because he had to have a body you're not going to satisfy God. You're not going to appease a God unless there's a sacrifice. And the way to sacrifice is you're going to need a body. Be it a lamb, be it a goat, be it a cow, be it a human. Be it a human. Jesus took on the sacrifice. He took on the body that was needed. And it says, as many were astonished at thee. Look at this. His visage was so marred more than any man. More than any man. His form more than the sons of men. That body was gruesome. The crucifixion was not pretty. It was gruesome. It was gruesome. You ever want to know what the wrath of God is like? Look at the body of Jesus. He was scourged before he even got to the tree. He was scourged with the Roman lash, not the Jewish one, the Roman one, that had pieces of bone and metal in it. He was scourged. He wasn't lashed. He was scourged. Gruesome. Ripping the flesh apart. Why? Your sickness and my sickness had to be paid for. There had to be an appeasement. So they, God had Jesus scourged. He had that body scourged. Why? He needed appeased. He didn't want you to go through that. So he had Jesus do it. He didn't want you to pay for your sins. Sicknesses comes from sin. Poverty comes from sin. Curses come from sin. So what's he going to do? He's going to have to be appeased. And he takes it out on Jesus. He takes it all out 
Jesus for you, for me. Don't ever forget how gruesome that crucifixion was. After they've scourged him, then they nail him to a tree. They nail him to a tree. And the Spirit of God is there. Why? To make sure that that body takes on all sin. John the Baptist, God bless that man. He knew before anybody else, look at the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That the Spirit of God put all the sin of us on that body. That body that housed the Spirit of Jesus. That body, it was gruesome. It wasn't pretty. And he wasn't dribbled with blood. It says marred more than any man. You have movie after movie of Jesus hanging there on the tree. And all they do is cover him in blood. And you know, and he's got his hands like, his, every bone was out of joint. You can't make a movie that way. Every bone was out of joint. It was gruesome. God was taking it out on Jesus. Thank you. God was taking out what I did on Jesus. Took it out on him. That's the wrath of God. And the wrath of God was on Jesus. Why? He had to be appeased. He had to be appeased. He had to be appeased concerning me. He had to be appeased concerning you. So he takes it out on Jesus. Jesus died with cancer. He had to take the cancer too. God put it all on Jesus. The wrath of God was on that body. He died of cancer. He died of, of a sexual transmitted disease. He died of rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis. He died of all the diseases. He died of AIDS. He died of all the viruses. He had it all on that body. It was gruesome. He was marred more than any man. You know what else he took? He took our self-righteousness. He had to, God took our self-righteousness out on that body. Thank you, Jesus. There's none None righteous. He also took our unbelief. He took our fear. He took it out on Jesus. And then, and then after all the sins got on him, and Jesus waited till they were all on him, and he waited till every bone was out of joint. He had one more thing to do, and he said, I need, I'm thirsty. Because he knew there was one more scripture he had to fulfill. The man that said, I'm thirsty, had every bone out of joint by this point. Every bone out of joint. And he says, I'm thirsty. I mean, I'd have gotten out of that body as soon as I could. But he held on until every scripture was fulfilled. Why? For us. For us. He had a body. It was taking the wrath of God. He felt every lash. He felt every sin. He felt every pain. He had to. He had to. God had to be appeased. He had to be appeased. And then what happens to a sinner because Jesus died the world's worst? He died the world's worst. He went to hell. And there he suffered the wrath of God. It says it in Psalm 88, thy wrath lieth hard on me. Thy wrath lieth hard on me. God had to be appeased. Don't forget he took it out on Jesus. He took you out on Jesus. Thank God. You know what? Jesus did it gladly. He said, I'll go. Kill me instead. Kill me instead. And he did. The Father took it out. Now, now, I want you to go to verse 11. It says, God shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. God shall see the travail of what he did to Jesus and he was satisfied. 
He was satisfied. He was satisfied. God was appeased. He was appeased. You know what? God was appeased concerning you. God was appeased concerning you. He was satisfied concerning you. The God of the universe was satisfied concerning you. Do you know you can't pay any more for your sin? Do you know if you try to pay for your sin, you're an unbelief? You're an unbelief. Turn with me to, we're going to finish in Hebrews 10. I didn't think we were going to go there, but we are. Hebrews 10. I can get this Bible still not broken in. Hebrews 10. I'm going to go to verse 14. It says, by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. One offering. One. One offering for you. One offering for you. That offering was made for you. One offering. And it appeased the Father. The Father said, that's enough. That's enough. Why did he raise Jesus from the dead? Because it was enough. He was appeased. He was appeased. Your God is appeased. Your God was appeased. He was made happy. He was satisfied with what Jesus did for you. And he raised Jesus up. When he raised Jesus up out of hell, your and I's sins were forgiven. One sacrifice. One. It's done. He's appeased. It was enough. And Jesus was raised from the dead. You cannot pay for your sin anymore. You cannot pay for your sin anymore. You feeling condemned and guilty is not payment for your sin. It's unbelief. It's unbelief. You cannot pay anymore. You cannot pay anymore. You cannot pay. God wants this in your heart. You cannot pay anymore. It's been paid. It's been paid. What is our job? It's not to, it's not to pay for it. It's to believe it. It's to believe it. It's to believe that your sin has been paid for. If your sin's paid for, then your sickness has to go. Because that's the root of it. Your poverty has to go. It's been paid for. Your next job, your career, everything has been paid for. Everything's been paid for. You cannot be guilty one more day. You can't. It's been paid for. You know what? It's, the gospel's like, you get a check. For $10 million. $10 million. You got a check for $10 million and your name's written on it. But you got to go to the bank and cash it. Or it means nothing. That's the way we treat the gospel. Everything you ever need and will ever want is in the gospel. It's already been paid for. Your prosperity, your welfare, your love, your peace, your relationship with God, your sickness, your disease, it has all been paid for. But you've got to go cash the check. You've got to use your faith and receive it. You know what the wonderful thing is? You can go straight to God and say, I need my inheritance and I need it now. You can go face to face with the man. Why? Because he's appeased. He's not going to turn you away. He's appeased. It's been paid for. God is happy. He took it out on Jesus. He's not going to take it out on you. It's been paid for. 
That's why we can come boldly into his throne room. It's been paid for. We can come boldly into his throne room and get what we need. He loves when we show up. I'm here to collect. He loves it. My God, he paid for it. I mean, you know, we buy things for our, our children, and if they don't use it, it hurts us. Oh, my God, look what God did. Look what God did. He bought it all for you. He wants you to use it. You got to go collect. And I want to say something right here. The Spirit of God does. The Syrophoenician woman, the woman from Canaan that went to Jesus and said, you know, worshipped him and said, my daughter is home grievously tormented of a devil. Right? Right? I want you to heal her. Jesus said, you know, if this, is for, this is for the Jews. This is not for you. You know, you, you can't give the children's bread to the dogs. And she said, no problem. Dogs can eat the crumbs. Do you know nowhere in that it says that that daughter was young? Do you know that woman could have been 80 years old and her daughter 60? Nowhere does it say in there how old the daughter was. Don't limit yourself by words you've heard that aren't truths. Nowhere does it say how old that daughter was. As long as mama's alive, she can go after Jesus for their children. No, no, nowhere does it say, nowhere does it say that there is a limit to when you can get to Jesus. Not one not one. Go collect. What's it say in Proverbs? The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Why? Jesus paid for them too. He paid for them too. I don't care if they like it or not. He paid for them too. He paid for them too. Don't limit God by what you think. Only go to the word. All right? Amen. Now, do you want this? Do you want God? Do you want the inheritance that Jesus paid for? He paid dearly for you. Do you want that? You can have it. It's yours for free. For free. Jesus wants you to have it. The Father loved you and sent Jesus so you could have it. What do you have to do? It is simple. Thank God it is simple. You go to him. You go to Jesus, Jesus. And you pray this way. Pray after me, Jesus. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Take over. Lead me. Guide me. Fix me. And I ask this in your name. Amen. Oh, he will. He will fix you. You'll feel like you're on the world's worst roller coaster, but he will fix you. You just have to hang on. He will fix it. He will fix it. That power has been paid for. It is yours. We have to collect it. Father, I thank you right now. I thank you for your power. I thank you for the power. I thank you for the power of the resurrection. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your power. Father, I thank you for the power of the resurrection, for the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Father, I thank you. We will not limit you. I give thanks, Father. We will not limit you. We know your power. We will not limit you. Father, I thank you for your power. I thank you for your power now. I thank you for the power Jesus bought for us. I thank you, Father, for the power of God now in Jesus' name. I thank you for that power. I thank you for that power. I thank you for that power. I thank you, Father, for that power now. 
you. Father, I thank you. 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 Father, for that power now. Amen. I thank you for that power now. I thank you. I'm praying for those watching. I thank you for that power on them now. I thank you, Father. I thank you for the power of God on them now. Father, I thank you for the power of God on them now. I thank you for the power of God on them now. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the power of God on them now. I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. What do you need, woman? What? Okay. All right. Father, I thank you for the power of God on her now. Father, I thank you for the power of God on her now. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you.
In my younger days, we get healed. God moves. The Spirit of God comes on us. God moves. And then as soon as we leave here, the devil starts, that didn't really happen. He's a liar. He's a liar. God is above the devil. God created that little thing. He's a liar. He's going to meet you right out that door. He's a liar. I, oh, it took me a while to, to get that straight. I mean, we get delivered here and I'd go home. Well, that didn't really happen. You were just being emotional. You know what? For a while, I started to believe it. For, I mean, I, I believed, oh, Kathy, you know, all you want to do is be seen. And then one day I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The power of God's above the devil. The only way he gets back in is I let him. Amen. I remember when my son, he had that, his hand was all infected. And I, he, you know, I prayed for him. I said, John, we're going to pray. We prayed. And, and, and the next morning, you know, I sent him to bed. The next morning, he called me because I had to go to work early. He called me and I said, how's your hand? He said, well, mom, it's still there. I said, okay, just, you know, go back to work, go back to school. Hung up the phone. I said, oh, no. Oh, no, you lying devil. You lying devil, no. He's healed. You hear me? An hour later, I get a phone call in my classroom from my son. Mom, it's all gone. It's all gone. God healed his hand in the middle of geometry. Why? Because I didn't listen to a lying devil. Because I didn't listen to a lying devil who lies all day long. Oh, don't let him back in. Don't let him. Don't let him. You know what? If you want to be a bitch, be one to the devil. Amen. <laughs> take it out on the devil. I mean, take it out on the devil. Take it out on the devil. Yeah. Amen? Amen. See you next week. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, care of Water of Life Church, post office box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.